0: I'm Lauren Hunter and I'm Kate Vlasic and welcome to Generation BSC. Generation BSC is an
1: episodic revisiting of the Babysitter's Club book series on a book-by-book basis where we read them, discuss them, talk about them now, talk about what we remember from reading them as kids, how we feel about them now, what we maybe learned or didn't learn as children, what we internalized, what maybe we'll internalize going forward. Lots of things to learn and discover and explore with all of you
0: <laughs> one of my favorite things that we've been really learning as we've gone through this is that our um, initial narrow definition of what generation BSC looked like has expanded so much mm-hmm. as we have learned as, as we've gotten into these books and like learned about what's coming from the future and we've heard stories about what you know how it's meant different things to different people in the past so um, I, it's that's been just my little nerd moment for I'm really trying to focus on areas of gratitude (laughs) at the moment. Things that are Um, good
1: and happy and expanding beyond just our generation BSC to everyone's generation BSC. Absolutely.
0: Uh, We are all generation (laughs) BSC.
1: Yes. Something like that.
0: (laughs) Something like that. Sure. Sure. Um, I promise I haven't gotten any special mushrooms or anything today. Um, Just my normal, natural um, cheesiness. All right. Well, what book are we talking about today, Kate? We are
1: talking about Claudia and the Bad Joke, which is book number 19 in our series.
0: Book number 19. It was published in December 1988 by actually Ann M. Martin. We're still firmly in the Ann era. Um, So let me give us a back of the book and find out what it's all about. Claudia is not worried when she hears her newest babysitting charge, Betsy Soback, is a great practical joker. After all, How much harm can one little girl do? Plenty. Claudia breaks her leg as a result of one of Betsy's mean jokes, and now she's talking about quitting the club. Babysitting, she says, is just too dangerous. Christy thinks Betsy needs to be taught a lesson. She also thinks the babysitters are just the ones to do it. Watch out, Betsy Soback. The joke war is on.
1: A little bit dramatic, except it was Mallory's great idea to start a prank war with Betsy. (laughs)
0: 100%. And um, great idea um, is a dubious... Debatable. (laughs) (laughs) Great Um, is
1: in hard scare quotes. (laughs)
0: uh, Yes, we're going to have some real discussion about how we think um, their model behavior was model behavior this time. Exactly. So um, with that in mind, why don't you tell us what actually happened?
1: That I will do. So the Claudia-specific plot... The Babysitter's Club gets a new babysitting charge, not a family that just moved to town, but rather one that the other babysit- babysitters in Stony Brook have refused to continue to babysit for due to her being a quote-unquote incurable practical joker. Claudia has the first job with Betsy and gets warnings from the other sitters who gave up when working for her family. The job does not go well with several pranks from Betsy culminating in an accident on Betsy's swing set where Claudia goes flying and seriously breaks her leg. Claudia spends most of the rest of the book in the hospital or cooped up at home, recuperating, missing almost a month of school in the process. Perhaps due to her inability to move around easily, Claudia doesn't handle the isolation the same way we predicted she would have handled quarantine, (laughs) with her boredom being so prevalent that she can't even be bothered to do anything. Claudia also contemplates dropping out of the Babysitter's Club due to the risks associated with babysitting, but eventually realizes, after a visit from Betsy to apologize in person, that she was focusing on that piece of her accident to avoid thinking about how embarrassing and humiliating the experience was for her, which results in her choosing to stay in the Babysitter's Club after all. The Babysitter's Club plot, generally... The Babysitter's Club spends the book mostly dealing with Betsy's practical joking along with the practical joking throughout the neighborhood, particularly by Mallory's siblings. The Pikes spend a chapter pranking Jesse and Marianne before the girls prank them back with a story about a zoo and an escaped elephant. Mallory has the great idea, as noted, (laughs) to prank, (laughs) (laughs) she has the great idea to prank Betsy back to teach her a lesson and get her to stop playing pranks, and she, Dawn, and Christy all take their turns, with Christy being the one who finally gets Betsy to see the error of her ways, in in particular due to Betsy's embarrassment at being pranked at the movie theater in front of her classmates. Christy brings Betsy over to Claudia's house for a heart-to-heart, which causes Claudia to elect to remain in the Babysitter's Club, much to all the girls' happiness, including Stacy. Claudia's one caveat is that she never wants to babysit for Betsy again, which the rest of the girls acknowledge as being reasonable.
0: There's just so much, like, what the fuck happening in this book (laughs) all over the place. Yes. Uh, Like, I think, um, I know there have been a couple that we said were not our favorites. I think this is the one that I've, I've, the first time I've actively been like, yeah, this one's not for me. It's a nope. Well, and that's what's so funny
1: is because like this, like I said in the last episode, this is one of the books I still had from my childhood. I clearly remembered it very strongly and not my favorite, but like clearly it like resonated with me for some reason. I don't know why. I wish I had a better sense of like my reasoning for why I kept this one, why I read it so many times, although I probably read it so many times because I still had it. So it's a little bit chicken and the egg, but like, yep, yeah, there, there's a lot of not great activities and actions by most of the babysitters and the kids that they babysit for. It's just not great. Yeah.
0: So let's start with the big theme of this one, pranks. So uh, like, I don't know about you. I'm just not really a prank person. Um, I don't find them cute or funny. I find them annoying and frustrating. Um, And But I did go through a Like, I guess we went through a um, crank phone calls phase, like, very, very briefly um, in right about this time, like 11 or 12. Uh, But that was pretty much the extent of it because I just wanted nothing to do with it. What about you? What is your prank history?
1: I have basically no prank history. Or if I had any, I've like repressed those memories because, yeah, I feel the exact same way. I hate pranks. I hate feeling fooled. I hate. The thought that I would do that to someone else, like it just makes me feel bad. Like the closest I can think to me pranking someone was like when my college roommate turned twenty one. We threw a surprise party for her, and so I had to like trick her into getting her to go back to our house. And like, that's a nice prank. Like that's the only kind yeah. of like quote unquote prank I can ever think of myself playing. And like, it's not even really a prank.
0: So I, I was gonna. I was thinking about that too. Like I do like like being playful and like surprising people. Yeah, but always with like good things never with like ha ha you look like an idiot right
1: well um, i think that's sort of the thing is like a prank inherently is bad and makes someone feel badly about themselves or the situation so i think even though it sort of feels like a prank if you're like surprising someone like a surprise is generally good in that situation but like i feel like a prank is always it, it has just like a connotation of like bad like someone's gonna come out feeling stupid looking stupid being yep. upset, and so I mean, I I feel like maybe that's like the Marianne in me is like I just am not. It, it just makes I don't want to make other people feel bad because I know how bad I feel when I am upset or someone you know tricks me. So I don't ever want to inflict that on someone else.
0: Here's where I'm hypocritical. I do love me some punked. <laughs> um,
1: um. Yeah. I I like watched that, but it always just made me feel bad. So I guess some. Consistent.
0: <laughs> yeah. Nope. Nope. I, I don't know what it is. Um, I guess I, I, it's been a very, very long time since I've watched that. So I guess I can't say that I still feel the same. Like I haven't even seen a clip of it in, in I don't know, since it was on. Um, so I maybe I would feel differently about it now. But I do remember really enjoying it at the time. And I don't know. I feel like
1: in um, your defense, with that, it's like punching up. So it's less, yeah, it feels true. less bad. So, like, I can understand. I feel like that's different. Like, it's much more like because they're celebrities, because it's their friends playing tricks on them, like, you, you're just sort of a third party bystander. So, it feels different than if you play a trick on your sibling, your friend, your parent, and that person feels hurt by what you have done. That's a very different situation. So, I, I think, I think punked is probably less bad an exception
0: for I think you're right I think you're right I think especially because it got to a point in Hollywood where it was like a badge of honor to be punked like you wanted to be punked so like it became it wasn't um it it didn't feel as mean because people actively wanted it to be happening to them right um after a certain point and I think the beginning ones were largely between friends and that's where things get a little bit dicey in terms of like consent and expectation and like because I know there are certain friend groups who love pranks with Mm -hmm. each other and genuinely do them from love and enjoyment and nobody's embarrassed or hurt and like I think of like Clooney and that whole his whole prankster persona um it's the the if I remember correctly the tagline around that at the time was always that he only pulled pranks on like his friends he wasn't like pranking the crew or you know disrupting work. right it was like him was... pranking
1: brad pitt because brad pitt would prank him right back like yeah exactly I, that's obviously yeah I, I definitely agree that's a very different situation where like everybody's sort of bought into this concept and this like strain of activities with each yeah, other you signed so, up for it yeah like i i know that I'm going to prank you and I know you're going to prank me back and, like, no one's feelings are going to get hurt as opposed to, like – Like, if I just pulled a prank on you, you'd be like, what the fuck? Like, why did you exactly. do that? It's, like, it's very different because, like, that's not the kind of friendship that we have or any of our friends have with us or with us with them. So, like – Exactly. It's it's one thing if, like, that's just your, your shtick and, like, your friend's group shtick as opposed to, like, I think it would be funny to prank Lauren and I, like, do something and you, like – get upset.
0: I, I would literally be like the the fuck just happened. Right, um exactly. And I I think we do get that difference in um the contrast between the Pikes and Betsy because like the Pikes are all into this um mail-in prank catalog as well. Mm-hmm. Um which side note that's one of those things that like gets introduced now and everybody's into it and it like it pops back up in the future if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think but, so. But um it was one of those things where it's like oh yeah we've all heard of that immediately um but in, in any case uh, like the pikes are all in on it like they're playing jokes on each other but like he in when Mallory is babysitting or who was babysitting it was Mallory and Dawn. it was Jesse babysitting.
1: it was Jesse and Marianne were babysitting the pikes
0: wow so I got that completely wrong I just
1: <laughs> I mean they do babysit other people later <laughs> Don and Don and Mallory both babysit betsy later oh, and their part part okay of the i know what, on them so that's yes, probably what you're
0: thinking i know why I, I was thinking of dawn because um it, it, i was thinking about the ice cream and dawn gets the ice cream prank with betsy um but it was marianne or um who was babysitting over the twins and their version of the ice cream prank which was uh giving nikki the tennis ball covered in chocolate mm-hmm. syrup um and like they, they note he pouted, but he couldn't be too mad because he had, you know, pranked them on the other thing. Right. So like they're all, they're all on on the same level with it. Right. The difference with Betsy is, and and Claudia in particular, um, but really it sounds like everyone Betsy has ever interacted with, um, except for
1: her mom, who thinks she's just like incorrigible.
0: Well, <laughs> we'll get into that because there's some dark pieces of this particular book, um, that are just sort of like casually dropped in but anyway i'll get back to that um but but the difference with the pikes and betsy is betsy like i said other than her mom who is in denial that anything is happening in the first place um does not have that social contract with anyone like she is pulling pranks completely out of school and people that she doesn't know doesn't have a relationship with um that are so that it can 't be fun and playful, and we can't they can't be in on the joke with her; they can only feel embarrassed because she has no pre existing relationship right. and the heartbreaking thing is um it it really seems like for this little girl that is her thing, so that's she's genuinely trying to connect with other human beings in that way and just can't understand that um other people don't find it funny that it is humiliating for them that like I really believe that um she had never been parented that that no one had ever sat her down and said hey this is why this sucks
1: yeah no I I definitely agree with that because like it's not until the the movie theater when Christy is babysitting her and she Christy plays pranks on Um, on Betsy sort of as the, like, last battle in this prank war. And, you know, she moves seats so when Betsy comes back she can't find her and she puts a bloody thumb over her thumb and sticks it up in the popcorn and, like, Betsy freaks out. And, like, there are kids across the aisle that she goes to school with that laugh at her and, like, sort of mock her for her reactions to these things. And, like, it's the first time I think that Betsy really sees – The emotional reaction. I mean, obviously she knew that Claudia broke her leg as a result of her prank, but it's the first time that she really realizes like this hurts people's feelings. This makes them feel embarrassed. It makes them feel humiliated. It feels bad when you do this to other people. And I think the interesting thing also after Christy takes um, Betsy to go visit Claudia, she realizes that part of the reason why Betsy sort of doubled down was because she wanted to prove that They don't – like, people don't actually get physically hurt from these. It's okay because that – you know, Claudia breaking her leg was a one-off thing. So I'm just going to keep doing this to prove to myself that it is just a one-off thing. That was like a freak accident. It had – even though it was related to the prank I played, it wasn't really my fault because that it was a freak accident as opposed to – you know, the humiliation and embarrassment that goes along with breaking your leg as a result of someone else's trick. She never sort of got to that point until Christy made her realize it by embarrassing her in front of her classmates.
0: And I think even above and beyond, I fully agree. And I I think even above and beyond the fact that she was embarrassed in front of her classmates, her classmates weren't laughing solely because she looked stupid. They were laughing as revenge mm-hmm. for her. Like it was, it was especially sweet that she looked stupid because of how stupid she had made them feel. Um, and they were very vocal about that. The one said, so that's what you get for, you know, Putting teaching not to or do or, or, it, or whatever it was. Yeah. Which <laughs> awful, which, and it just made me think of the Goonies, especially cause they were in a movie theater. And I just, in any case, it was them actually actively speaking out and be like, yeah, this is what it feels like when you did this to us. It mm-hmm. even helped make that, that connection more explicit. Um, I think the other piece of it, and again, this is fully, um, parenting failure here. She genuinely had no idea how injured Claudia was like when, when Christy tells her just how, um, that Claudia hasn't been able to go to school and she is just now getting better. Betsy is shocked. And that seems like a very obvious thing that a parent would sit down and tell you, like, not to not make it sound terrifying. Obviously you don't want to scare them like that, but like they need to understand that this is a serious consequence and not just here, write a letter and send it to the hospital. I mean, especially if we want to be real realistic with these things in this kind of neighborhood, based on the type of people that seem to be involved in the, a number of these scenarios, it wouldn't be unheard of that, danger of litigation would be coming up and Mm -hmm. like obviously we we know claudia's parents wouldn't do that but from the hints that they drop about the sobacks they seem like the type who would immediately assume uh lawsuit lawsuit and in which case um you would think that they'd be doing a hell of a lot more to make their daughter you know repent appear repentant or you know make bigger shows of it or they don't don't
1: wouldn't want her to admit fault
0: Oh, that's fair. I didn't think about that part. So See, I, mean, and, <laughs> I mean, an attorney.
1: I'm not that kind of attorney, but like just from like pop culture, that's usually the, the, you know, one of the reasons like, oh, well, I don't want to, I can't apologize because then you might use that against me later and whether or that's not it's true. a lawsuit or not. I mean, obviously there's nothing in the books that indicates that this is part of their reasoning, but clearly Betsy's parents are not great. I, I mean, It's, like, every weekend they're gone for the entire Saturday at a fucking golf tournament. Like, they go to two golf tournaments during this book. And it's, like, hang out with your kid, you know? Like, how many times – so this book takes place essentially over the course of, like, a month. And Betsy's babysat at least four times. So it's, like – that's – I mean, I I feel like when I was a kid, we had a babysitter, like Maybe once a month, maybe yeah, and that was maybe. like a, a Saturday times night. A year. Yeah, like the I, I I know that it's part of like the books they need to have babysitting jobs. That's the whole point, and like these are the kinds of kids that need babysitting, you know, for a couple hours in the afternoon. Like that was never a thing that we really did, and that might have been partially because like we went to daycare. So I don't know, but but regardless, like Betsy's being babysat a lot, so it's a little bit yeah. It, it makes me feel sad for her because. Like you were saying, like she doesn't know anything about how badly Claudia is actually hurt. She doesn't get the opportunity to really understand that. She doesn't understand why she shouldn't be pranking people. You know, like, clearly her mom just, like I said at the beginning, like, her mom just thinks she's, like, incorrigible and, like, oh, yeah, she's gotten past that. She's grown up a little bit. Like, she doesn't even know that her daughter is doing this. Clearly, she's doing it at school. She's doing it to all of her babysitters. All of her past babysitters have been, like, peace out. I'm never babysitting you again because you suck. I mean, hopefully they didn't say that to her face, but, like, clearly her mom knows why these people will not babysit for her anymore. She's exactly, she has to have gotten calls from the school with, with the number. I mean, there were at least five or six kids in that movie theater that were like, Betsy the brat, I can't, you know, look at what you're getting. This is what you get for what you did to us at school. So, like, there's clearly a discipline problem here. And Betsy's mom, in particular, cause she's really the only one we actually meet and we only hear anything well, that's what I was say. about what she says. But, like, clearly the parents are just sort of like, you know, blinders up about Betsy's interactions with other people.
0: And it's sad. The father isn't mentioned at all other than in passing. Like, he is a complete non-character. So, obviously, he's not involved. Um, And I don't know if you caught this, but it was sort of a throwaway. But she mentions, I also have a sister who's 23 and has a baby. I'm an aunt. That's right. Um, Which means that this mom, she's either one of two things. They don't specify, but the mom is either um, a second wife much younger second wife with a new kid and that's its own weird situation or an oops baby or, or a, um, I guess that's not fair. Maybe they chose to have it, but generally people don't tend to choose to have babies. What? 17 years apart. Right. Um, without some serious reasoning behind it. And I, maybe it's judgmental to, to get into those, but I don't know. Rich suburbanites with, kids with that big of an age gap that generally says to me
1: uh... well and looking at that in comparison with the the clear issues with the parenting of Betsy
0: in exactly. particular
1: like it all sort of adds up to like you said it's an assumption we're reading into things but like the more things you add that get to the that you know some total of you know she maybe wasn't as wanted as the first child or whatever like it, clearly there's issues and clearly She's not being parented in the way that she should be. And it sucks. Like Betsy has some issues and like, it it just sucks that her parents are letting this continue the way that they have.
0: So I just think it's interesting too, that um, that parallel of, you know, Betsy's dad being just a complete non-entity in this description of Christy, Claudia does mention that, you know, her dad ditched them a long time ago Mm -hmm. and, is very nonchalant about like Christie doesn't seem mad about it but like what kind of dad doesn't even send a birthday card and even that they they seem very matter of fact about the fact that dads just sometimes aren't there um and i thought that was interesting i don't know i i would highly doubt that that's intentional that there's probably some you know implicit biases happening there um i know there's been much has been made about you know the disney model of you know, dead parents, but, mm-hmm. um, but I just think it's something interesting to note. And, you know, Dawn's dad is the character who stayed in, um, California. So we, we get her mom. The only real dad that we really interact with at all is Marianne's. And that's largely about the fact that he's not a mom. Um, so, uh, you know, Watson is, um, Christy's stepdad. And so they don't really talk about them, their relationship too much to this point as in context of father daughter. It's more, you know, about his, how it's changing the family vibe. Um, I don't know, just an interesting, I guess Christy's dad, or um, Claudia's dad, Mr. Kishi is is around and he makes funny comments sometimes, but we know very little about the Kishis. Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: we've spent much more time with Janine and Mimi. the The actual parents are sort of just we know they want more out of her schoolwork, and they don't approve of Nancy Drew or junk food. That's kind of, kind of it. Um, I don't know. Just something I noticed as we were mm-hmm. as we were having this discussion. Um, so we'll have to be keep an eye on that. Maybe see if that's something that is reoccurring. Yeah. Um, well, I mean,
1: even just looking at like the Barretts to go back to book five, like oh yeah, Mr. Barrett kidnaps Buddy because he thinks his ex-wife or separated wife it's sort of they they reference it both ways so it's unclear but you know he's not around as much and then he thinks that it's you know his wife's fault or ex-wife's fault whatever and like kidnaps his kid like yeah we don't get a lot of good shining
0: examples of good fathers in these books so far i think and like we've we've talked about mrs pike a number of times and like i know mr pike was on the trip but i don't remember him at all doing anything other than being there. Um fascinating. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Something to keep an eye on. Um before we, we move on too much since as we're talking about parents, um and like little darkness in here. Um I more and more that I read these just feel bad for Dawn. Um again I'm not calling out her mom here. I'm not getting back onto that. Although her just, mom is
1: they're... still is sta- still dating Trey dating- trip
0: yes come on (laughs) um well that was part of it i just i had to read this passage because holy crap this may be the darkest thing i've ever read in a book aimed at children with her brother jeff back in california dawn's never in a rush to get home she might be if she thought her mom would be there but mrs schaefer works very hard at her job and recently hasn't been getting home until seven on weeknights and sometimes she goes out with this guy trip whom dawn still calls the trip man and can't stand Donna stayed over at our house for supper a few times, but that night she headed home to start fixing her dinner. Whoa. (laughs) That is just, that is depressing.
1: Like, that's also kind of the reality of a single parent in this era, though. You know, like. Exactly. That's true. You know, it's, I, I sort of applaud Anna Martin for including it because it is, it is sad, but like there are definitely kids that were reading these books that had that exact same experience. So I think it's it's kind of nice that they can see that there are other people like that because that was never something that I remember anyone that I went to school with talking about like oh I had to you know go home and fix my own dinner cuz my mom didn't get home from work until 7. Like that was just you know that's not a conversation that most people would have with their peers. So I think it's it was sort it's sort of nice. I mean it's not nice, obviously. Yes. But like I think it's nice that there's an example of that kind of family relationship, which is obviously difficult for kids that are going through that, but it's the reality of the situation. You know, if if that if you have a single parent and that's what their job requires, you know, sometimes that's the sacrifice they have to make and that I mean it sucks, obviously, a ton. Yeah. But Yeah, yeah it was one
0: one one hundred percent. I um I, I love that there's repre- representation of that. Um, I, I think I, there were a couple of reasons it stood out to me so interesting. It was, um, one, it had been a hot minute since they had just sort of listed everything out like that with Dawn. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, oh, I didn't realize how glum, how bleak her home situation had gotten um, really quickly. Um, and two... We know. I. I again. I can't remember when, but we know that. um Spoiler alert. She and Mr. Spear end up married, and she and Marianne are, you know, sisters and and have much more of a so-called traditional, you know, home unit. Two parents in the home. And I think that's um, coming up pretty soon, actually. Pretty soon. Yeah. So it's interesting that they like included it in there, but then gave it sort of a fairy tale ending. Um, I, I guess, I, I don't know. We'll have to see how that all mm-hmm. is handled, how it plays out um,
1: for sure. Yeah.
0: But the other thing I was thinking about is actually I said that. So I lied. There are three things. Um, the third is um, it's just, I think it's stark to me. It stands out so much because um, nobody else has that level of like shit. Basically everybody's got a little bit of something that gives them, you know, their, their struggle backstory. But aside from racism, um, with Jesse, Dawn's real life shit just does not measure up compared to like Mallory's. I want to be an author mm-hmm. and I wish my hair were straight. Like it, it just seems, um, again, because it was all listed out so starkly in such a short passage, how just how much she's getting dumped on. I just feel really bad for her. Yeah. Um,
1: I do think one thing that's kind of interesting, and I know we we noted this in the last book and it comes up again here. Dawn is kind of the best friend in the Babysitter's Club. She's the one 100%. that remembers, in this book in particular, she's the one that remembers to bring um, junk food for Claudia in the hospital. You know, like she was the one who wrote postcards to Jesse and Mallory in the last one. Like Dawn's the best friend for sure and Absolutely. i and i'm wondering if that's maybe not explicitly or directly related but like it sort of comes across like she has to take care of herself and so mm-hmm. she wants to make and sure others. that well right but like that's the whole point is like she she knows what she needs and she wants other people to feel taken care of because she's not really being taken care of so she goes out of her way she goes out of her way to make sure that our friends are feeling loved and included and have what they need. And I think I – don't, I don't remember that being, like, an inherent Dawn quality from when I'm, you know, reading these as a kid. And, like, reading these again now, I'm like – and I know – I think you said it in one of our past episodes. Like, Dawn is, like, low-key amazing. And yes, it, it's just, like, each book she just keeps – it's, like, a reminder. Like, Dawn's the best friend in the Babysitter's Club, like, flat out.
0: 100 percent one of the you mentioned don bringing um the food to claudia in the hospital don made sure to get what like you noted what claudia needs none of the other girls um cared about that at all like mary ann's the only other person who brought in something and she brought tigger which was for her right like claudia was clearly not jazzed about she was so uncomfortable
1: about a cat in the hospital where there's definitely not supposed to be a cat
0: and like come on mary ann like use your brain a little bit i it, you're old enough to recognize like kids that are old enough to coordinate how they did when claudia fell off the swing would know do not bring a kitten into a hospital
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and and it just felt very much like that was for mary ann mary ann thought the kitten would be cute in the hospital with claudia and claudia was like i this is not what i want yeah um So uh, it's funny. If you would have asked me before we started all this, who was the best friend, I probably would have said Marianne. Mm -hmm. Um, And the more I'm seeing it, the more Marianne displays some less than admirable qualities. Yes. And I don't know why I had Marianne built up in my head as this perfect, like, virtuous character. Um, Yes, I do. Because she is exactly who I wasn't. So, of course, that meant, you know, she was the, the foil in the, in that way. So mm-hmm. I had her like, um,
1: but like, I a, mean, I a, on a pedestal. Yeah. But I, I obviously did not have her on a pedestal. Cause I, I, you know, most identified with her. I think my, and I, I don't know that I thought that she was perfect, but I do think that she's definitely described as being very empathetic. And I think that that might be part of why I thought that Marianne probably was like the best friend because, She, she's so sensitive and feels so deeply when things happen that it seems like that would then translate into doing what Dawn does and making people feel loved and included and getting what they need. But clearly she's not that person. (laughs) So it's, it's just
0: interesting. I think, um, I, I, you hit on it it, exactly. I, I think she is sensitive, but I don't know that she is empathetic. Those are different things. Um, she feels really deeply when stuff is going on, but she feels it for her. I don't know that she necessarily like is feeling it for other people, um, and maybe that's uncharitable. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm like trying to think of. Like, I
1: think I do think she is empathetic. I think she feels she feels empathetic and she feels other people's feelings, but I don't think that she translates that into action.
0: That's fair. Okay. You know, that makes I sense. so I
1: think I but I feel like Dawn maybe takes that extra step. You know, she can, she can feel, she can identify what other people are feeling and, or what she thinks they're probably going to feel because she knows them so well that she's able to then take that step of, here's what I'm going to do to try to counteract whatever, you know, bad feeling they might have or whatever that situation might be. Whereas Marianne understands what people might be feeling, but she doesn't really think about what
0: she can do to try to fix it. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I think... The more I think about it, I think it's even less um, that she is like, this is what I want if it were me taking care of. I think it's so much that her whole role is caretaker that it just comes really naturally to her because that is, I mean, she does it for her mom. She does it for Jeff. She's now clearly taking over that role in the group. I think it's less, i I, I don't think she's thinking like, Oh, if I were the one in the hospital, oh this no that's is what, I what would I'm want, not or I'm not no I'm,
1: it. we're saying the same thing. She okay. thinks what the other person needs. she I, obviously if she was in the hospital, she wouldn't want junk food.
0: Yeah, you know of, um, but oh, no, I meant less about like what I um, need, but I just I think we're thinking the same thing and but for slightly different reasons. I think you're um, you were saying something about her motivation being that she's not often the one being taken care of, so she wants to take care of others. Because that's what she would want, not like the specific actions, where I was saying that I think it's more motivated, um, less from a place of what she's not getting, and more of she doesn't know any better. She is just um, so ingrained in the role of the caretaker that I don't think it occurs to her that she's missing out on anything, I, which is almost sadder. Um, I, I think she just is so um, programmed to take care of other people, that that is her natural first instinct. Yeah, could be. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, we are obviously armchair psychoanalyzing, um, first of all, children, and second of all, fictional children. Yes. So, um, and neither one of us are even remotely qualified to psychoanalyze anyone, let alone <laughs> ourselves. So
1: Very true. Um, transitioning to other people in Claudia's life, I... So Janine obviously is in this book um, because it's a book about Claudia. I this is my favorite Claudia Janine relationship where they like they're not best friends but like they get along and like when Claudia comes home from the hospital, Janine gave her a stack of magazines that Claudia says specifically like she knows that she bought them especially for Claudia because they're what are they they're people Tiger Beat Seventeen in Vogue, and so it's like. Janine is sort of stepping up. She's like, I know that Claudia is going to need things to read. I'm going to get these magazines. But, like, she's not, you know, she's not trying to, like, judge her or make Claudia feel badly because she wants to read Tiger Beat or whatever. You know, like, this is the relationship they like. I like when they get along, but they're not, like, obviously they're not going to be best friends. I just, I love that. And I also love, there's the the description of Janine sort of towards the beginning of the book. Claudia says this. I guess life is a trial when you're as smart as my sister, Janine. All I worry about is babysitting and art projects and maybe school. Janine has to worry about molecular theories and foreign politics and things like, will the earth ever revolve so near the sun that it burns up? Like that. And like, I love that sort of like reaction from Claudia towards Janine. Like they're just sort
0: of like, we're different, but we're okay. I thought that was so sweet too. And like she, she mentions like, I don't look forward to the night that Janine helps me with my homework Mm -hmm. and like. Janine Stills clearly doesn't quite get it, you know, when she asks about the the quiz at the dinner table. Like, I felt for Janine in that moment because Claudia was like, shut up. Right. Why like, are Why? you
1: asking me this? And, yeah, because she still – yeah, like, she just doesn't get it. It's like – Yeah. I would – like, I expect people to ask me about my quizzes and tests, so that's what I'll ask you about <laughs> because I'm – interested. and also she's interested in, like, how did it go? I want to know, like,
0: if you feel like it went well or whatever, like – Especially because she helped. Like, she explicitly says that, like, she's like, we worked really hard on that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to hear how it went. I thought it was really sweet. Um, and I, I really think that the um, roots are there for... Um, I think they're going to have a really good relationship as grown-ups. Oh, Like, as sure. an adults. For I can sure. see them being super close. Um, because they're not that different. They just have different applications of their, like, interests. But they're both very strongly motivated and like very passionate about what they're into. And, um, they're just, Claudia's more external and Janine's more internal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that's really cool. I think they will be a really neat duo, um, when they're, when they're grown ups. Definitely. Um, Agreed. But yeah, I thought that was really sweet. I thought Claudia's parents were great in this one. Um, I thought it was interesting that they had her miss a whole month of school and the fact that she's a bad student, like very barely touched into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it, it could be a whole book about how she, you know, somebody got sick for a month or Claudia got sick for a month and, you know, had a really, was really struggling with school and how does, how do you keep up with that and the babysitting or, you know, something like that. So I thought that was sort of an interesting. Um...
1: Although she was concerned that because she had missed a month of school, she was going to have to be held back
0: which that's true. obviously comes
1: from somewhere
0: so that's very true um yeah you're right and obviously we can't have like stick too much in one book but i just thought it was um if it were me i would be freaking out about that quite a bit more um
1: yeah what else? although i do think it it was nice that they sort of gave claudia a reprieve from being the like quote-unquote bad student character you know like there's enough other things going on in this book that like adding that extra layer of like will she get all her homework done will she stay caught up like that's like a little too much drama maybe like they were like i think
0: we're good without that being an added layer in this you're absolutely right i just think it's interesting they could have chosen a different um, character to be laid up for a month oh that's true that school wouldn't have been a factor um it, it just was something i I, I noted um we talked a little bit about when we were were talking about pranks um about the humiliation factor of it and to me i think of the whole book that idea was handled the best it was subtle like they didn't really talk about that it it sort of popped up at the end um in a way that made everything that came before it make a little bit more sense Uh, there weren't you know it wasn't quite um so it was subtle in that mm-hmm. way. Um, but it still really clicked and and came home. Like that That scene we talked about in the movie theater where the kids were laughing at, at Betsy and, and getting their, you know, she was getting her comeuppance on a lot of different levels. Um, and really tying it into the embarrassment of it was, I thought was really, really effective. I, I think that that's an emotion that, kids really recognize and respond to and can understand when you make someone feel bad and how you can feel bad if you make someone feel bad unintentionally. Um, and that humiliation embarrassment can be such barriers for you joining in and having connection. Um, and obviously a, a five-year-old or 11-year-old or however old is reading this book is probably not thinking of those on, on that, on those levels, but it's all right there. Um, and I, I think that's such a powerful message to, to share to kids that, um, kindness and, um, again, intention versus impact, that it doesn't matter if you think something is funny, if it hurts and humiliates and, and causes pain to another person, um, that's, that's not okay. And, and you need to walk with some care throughout the world. And I think there are plenty of adults who could still um, stand to learn that.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think, I think they did a great job with driving home that point about, you know, embarrassment, humiliation without, and even though Christy does explicitly say it, it's not like it's, it's, and I think this might've even been in the last episode, you know, we're talking about that quote unquote, Danny Tanner moment at the end, like this, that's effectively what that is, but like, it doesn't feel quite so like, okay, Betsy, this is what you need to learn now. Like, she just sort of talks through it with her and they come to that realization together, which I think is a much better way than like, you know, Danny Tanner sitting down with Michelle or Stephanie or DJ and being like, well, let me explain this off, you know, like, mansplaining whatever lesson they're supposed to learn. And I also think that it sort of ties back into, you know, what we were talking about with the pikes where like they're all pranking each other, but they're clearly all having a good time and enjoying it. So I think it, and I know we sort of touched on this earlier, but like, it's an interesting dichotomy because you see, you see Betsy learning that when you're not doing it with friends, you know, with people who are sort of in on the joke ahead of time, it doesn't have the same outcome so the kids reading these books can see well the pikes all are doing it they all understand they're all they've all bought into you know this being what they do as a family right now and so it's okay in that situation but when you're doing it to people who haven't bought in like that there are major issues or not major issues but like potentially Potential. big potentially yeah. big you know issues and you're going to hurt some feelings people might get physically hurt they're going to get embarrassed they're going to feel humiliated and like You need to be aware that your actions have consequences, and I think you even said that, and so it just stuck in my head. But like, if you're gonna do this, you can't just expect it to be like the Pikes when you don't have that that relationship with the people that you're playing pranks on, and that expectation that this is a give and take. You know, because Betsy throughout the entire book is very much like, I think this is funny. I'm gonna use this. Joy Buzzer or I'm going to use this glass that drips apple juice all over Claudia's dry clean only shirt or I think you're going to fall on your butt and that'll be hilarious when the the swing chain breaks when you sit on it. Like that's not – it's not give and take because even – and I think you even pointed this out earlier like the the pranks that the Pikes are playing are – Sort of silly and fun, and you reference the the two different versions of the ice cream prank. When the Pikes are playing it on Nikki, the triplets play it on Nikki. They cover a uh, a tennis ball in chocolate, so it looks like a an ice cream scoop. So when he goes to scoop out his ice cream, the tennis ball you know pops out, bounces away. He gets a little bit pouty, but then he laughs and cleans it up and go get goes and gets some other ice cream. When Don is babysitting for Betsy, she's been good pretty much the whole time that dawn has been babysitting they play monopoly and they're having a good time and then dawn's like hey why don't we have a snack betsy says oh i'll take care of it let's have sundays dawn as we know is a huge you know (laughs) anti-junk food person but she's like we've we've had such a good afternoon this has been fun i'll eat you know cavities be damned i'm gonna eat the ice cream and so Betsy comes back and Betsy eats some and she's like, hmm, so good. Dawn takes a big scoop and she gets a mouthful of shaving cream, which is a very different version of that prank, regardless of whether the person you're pranking has bought in. Like a tennis ball with chocolate on it is just a little bit of a mess. Shaving cream in your mouth is gross. Disgusting. And and
0: it could be really harmful.
1: Exactly. Depending on how much. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... Betsy has a lot to learn. <laughs> it's
0: clearly... For sure.
1: Clearly something that is an issue for her. And it's just... I, but again, that it, it was sort of interesting that they did essentially the same prank from both perspectives to give you that comparator. in you know, in learning as, you know, you're, the kids that are reading these are learning from the messages that are in the books.
0: Along those same lines, um, the idea of consent is really... They don't talk about it in this way, and like this is what I mean about being subtle. But Christy is really explicit at the end. Um, she states repeatedly that it's not so much the pranks that you pulled; it's you. You promised. I told you mm-hmm. I am not okay with this. You swore you would not act in that way, and then you chose to do it anyway. So it, it, it's the complete opposite of consent. Actually, um, you know that she said she promised to not do it, and then still did it. Um, well, and it's which, not that she.
1: Promised and I do it and still did it. She like immediately. She was like, "Yes, Christy, yeah. I promise I won't." Okay, I'll go buy the tickets. Give me the money. She immediately gets her with the joy buzzer, and it's like, "Did did you even listen? You know, like, were you just yeah. going through the motions?" And it's a, it's clearly, yeah, like you said, the the consent thing. Christy was making it very clear, "I'm not okay with this." And Betsy was like, "Yep, got it. Totally not going to do anything." And then immediately is like, "Just kidding. Fuck you."
0: And, and I think that that's, it, it, it's important because that does make it really clear what that difference is right. that, um, that they even say, like we've mentioned a couple of times that Nikki pouted, but he pranked them too. So like he was in on the joke. They were in this together. You couldn't get mad at the other person because they had both agreed to the, the, the rules of the game. Exactly. Whereas Claudia or not Claudia Christie explicitly states the rules of the game, um, Betsy agrees and then immediately breaks them. Yeah. Which we see a lot of that these days. Yeah. Um, and I think that that might be part of what I'm I'm responding to um, is I, I think that, you know, I, I was trying to talk about how I felt so bad for Betsy earlier. And a big part of that was me trying to talk myself into liking this girl. Because like I said, I really, I had, I had a bad taste in my mouth for a lot of this book. And a big part of it was I was like, who cares? She's an irredeemable brat. Like, ditch her and move on. Yeah. Fire the client.
1: I I mean and... I have in my notes I have Betsy sucks at least five times. Like pretty much every time she pranks someone, it's like,
0: wh- what are you doing? Like, ugh. yeah, yeah. No, but it, here's I... the thing: the babysitters kind of suck too. Yeah. Like, uh, so uh, it just kept ringing in my head. I don't know if you remember this, but in when we were talking about predictions for last week, you said. I know they don't prank her before Claudia breaks or after Claudia breaks her leg. Cause that would be really shitty.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Clearly sure enough, I rep- that, I repressed that memory. Cause yeah,
0: it's like so then, two minutes into this book, Claudia breaks her leg <laughs> and I went, Oh shit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and sure enough. And it was kind of shitty. I was like, uh, like I, I understand that they are children too. I'm again, Trying to find some grace for them, um, they are children responding to children, but that is so not the way to handle an an escalation of prank war. Right, that just seems so ill advised. Like, and but it, it the thing that's appalling to me about it is it's what solves the the issue. Like I know. it should be that the escalating prank war leads to an even bigger issue or a potential for a, a bigger issue that brings into Relief, oh, we are just as bad as she is. We're also putting people in danger. We're also behaving, you know, inappropriately. And instead, they're rewarded for that escalation, which just uh, is not okay. Yeah. Just, I'm, I'm not on board with that at all as a resolution for this. Like, as a resolution for Betsy, the the, the things that Betsy learned about bullying, or not bullying, but um, pranking, the, the, that those ideas of, you know, the, the relationship that you build and, and being able to joke within the confines of, of an established relationship, all fabulous mm-hmm. lessons. The babysitters? No, not at all. In fact, uh, it was so shitty. I I was so angry with them. Um, I had to stop reading at one point. I was like, this is just, this is not what I want people to be teaching our kids. Yeah. Retaliate, strike back harder so that she's hideously humiliated and feels terrible right like well, that's the lesson here
1: yeah because there's a, there's not even like even a throwaway line that's like okay so betsy learned a lesson but we really shouldn't have done that like there's not even like an acknowledgement like no, maybe this was a fully... bad plan they're like we did it we got her to stop being a prankster like oh it's not great it's it's yeah. really not great it,
0: they they fully pat themselves on their back for how smart they were and are like uh complimenting the whole way through about how um you know they keep coming up with the everybody's giving them these really good ideas and they're they're so clever and i'm like so are we are we landing on the side that uh pranks are good and we should go for it because that is not what <laughs> it's only the messaging that i want to be taking it's only good if
1: somebody learns a lesson my <laughs> God, like arrested development that's exactly what i was gonna say exactly what i was gonna say <laughs> only that's why you always leave a lesson. note exactly things are only okay when someone's learning something
0: <laughs> you know what is so funny is like this is literally the real like the the um earnest version of that joke yes that's, that's what this is wow um so, if you don't know, we will explain this reference. Um, we usually blow past them, but but considering that this one it actually is a real point, um, the patriarch uh, of the um, arrest, family and Arrested Development, The Blues, used to and the matriarch, I guess, used to um, teach the kids lessons. And I'm using air quotes um, by hiring this one-armed man to like it, it, inevitably his arm always came off in a horrific way, and it, that's why you don't do xyz and it was usually something very banal like that's why you always leave a note that we're out of milk or like that's why you always um like that's why you never eat in the car like those types of things and this is man like with his arm losing and like splurting blood horrifying that's what it should be it should be a joke it should be played for these are terrible parents and this is not a way to teach a lesson and instead this book is like nope (laughs) do it you got the right idea (laughs)
1: yep betsy learned her lesson keep on doing it pranks are helpful
0: (laughs) Like, wow. That just, I, 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 that is too funny. Did not, um, I love the things we discover in the moment. But yeah. 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 Cause
1: I hadn't even thought of that while I was reading, but that's a hundred percent. Like, like you said,
0: the comedic version where it's played for the joke because it's so bad. So in order to, again, look to the positive, um, they did do another great, you know, modeling behavior in crisis, um, again, to a degree where I was like, okay, this is a little unrealistic that Claudia was just so like, l- literally had to be in traction for a month, but she was very calm on the floor. She's like, all right, well, so we're first, we're going to call your dad. I'm like, all right. Um, I know that they're really good babysitters, but she's not superwoman. Right. It <laughs> uh, would have
1: made more sense because Mallory and Don, you know, Betsy calls the pikes to tell them to come. And so they come up. So like, they helped deal with it, but it's like, it would have made more sense if this had happened when another babysitter was already there. So Claudia didn't have to be the voice of reason with respect to her own, like debilitating injury where her leg is like twisted in a weird way. And she's sort of feeling like numb and not, not a good situation. So like, I mean, obviously she was the only one there, so she had to be the one to do that. But like, it didn't make a lot of sense logically, like, that she would be able to be like, oh, my leg is clearly very broken. Here's all the steps that you need to go through now to make sure that everything right. goes correctly.
0: I think the issue is she was just too calm and yeah. too good. Like, if she would have been a little bit more panicked in it, in fact. So we've been, you know, talking repeatedly about how we appreciate the fact that they model this good behavior for the kids um, reading the books. But now I as we're getting deeper in, I would like to see some of that character growth. I would like to see push a little bit and it would be good to model what it looks like to handle a crisis when you are in pain, when you are scared, when you are freaking out. Um, You know, that that's like taking it to the next level. We got the model of Marianne when it was, um, it it, it felt too much like the same thing where she was um, helping an injured kid. It did not feel at all like it was happening to her um And I just think that was a missed opportunity.
1: Yeah, I'm sure we'll have more opportunities in the future. Hopefully, it'll be handled in a different way. I mean, that—that's sort of my hope is like, because a lot of these things, it's like the first time we're getting a version of it. So my hope is like, because there are like 130 books that it'll come back up again, and they'll do it in a different way, and maybe approach it like you said with with the person who's injured not handling it, you know, handling it in the right way, but like. Not as calmly, not as rationally, not as, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see if this type of thing comes up again, the way that we've thought about a few things maybe coming up again in a different way. So I think Agreed. I'm hoping that that is the case because I, I do think, like you said, I it would be nice to have the opportunity for the girls to not be quite so perfect in some of these situations and, and to allow kids to learn from that because... No one is going to be perfect in every situation. So it would be nice for kids to be able to see, even if I'm not perfect, I can still do X, Y, and Z, and
0: it'll hopefully come out okay. Exactly. Or even, it doesn't even have to be them messing up. It could even just be an acknowledgement that it's hard. Right. Um, or, you know, get up the degree of difficulty a little bit. You know, still let her do all the right things, but let her have a moment of panic of of acknowledging, oh my God, this is horrifying. What is the right thing to do? Who You know, let us see the the little bit of the panic Mm -hmm. before and then model the deep breath that comes after yeah um, well especially
1: especially since it's coming you know we're there it's a first person narrator so we are getting a look inside their head so we would have that opportunity where we can see claudia freaking out but on the outside she's maybe not freaking out so that betsy can see so we at least like you said you get that acknowledgement like Oh my God, what is happening? What am I gonna do? I have to focus. I have to think. Like, what's the first thing I should tell Betsy to do? What do I need? What does she need to do? Like, yeah, I think I think that would be good if we we at least get a little bit of that internal monologue of freaking out.
0: Because then that's that's a whole different thing that they're modeling too. They're modeling that you don't have to be perfect, that you're allowed to freak out and you can still get it right. That you're allowed to have emotion and, and have a first a shitty first draft reaction to things and choose to do something differently right um and again i think that's another lesson that i've been talking a lot about these in this recent climate um that normalizing that the idea that the first thing that pops into your head does not have to be your final answer and you don't have to judge yourself by the first thing that pops into your brain you're allowed to um choose a different action Mm -hmm. and who you are is based on your actions not your idle thoughts right acknowledge so, um, the thought
1: and think about why you thought that and what you should actually do instead of just thinking that that's who you are is that first thought because no one's their exactly. first thought for sure
0: nope and it's one of my favorite Brenéisms the shitty first draft um, <laughs> exactly so yeah, I, I love that that concept. Although you know, what's really funny is remember I started this thought with, let's give them some praise for model <laughs> behavior, and then we ended with, you yeah, know, we're a little disappointed in that. So, um, anyway, but that those were my big sort of thoughts on the overall, um, all, overall plot. Did you have any other big big picture items before we get into some of the?
1: Um, I don't um, think so. I know we had had some other topics we could talk about, but I think we're getting a little long with, I'm sure, all the random stuff we're about to talk about. So, um, yep. yeah, because I, I think the only other sort of big thing was Claudia, and I said this in our, you know, our summary, Claudia is talking about quitting the Babysitter's Club because she doesn't oh, yeah, want to acknowledge, she doesn't, and we don't need to have, like, the whole conversation because my guess is this topic will probably come up again since it's sort of a big one. But Claudia is afraid of being hurt. And so she's focusing on her fear as opposed to focusing on the fact that she was embarrassed and hurt you know, sort of emotionally by what Betsy did. So instead of focusing on sort of getting past that and continuing to babysit, she instead decides to focus on, well, somebody could get hurt, so I I don't want to get hurt again, so I'm going to focus on that, and that's why I can't babysit, because I don't want to get hurt. And I think that that is another sort of modeling thing where it's like, Just because that's your first thing that you think about, you need to look Mm -hmm. at the bigger picture. And if you're feeling a certain way about something, think about it more broadly. Think about what else might be playing into it before you make that final decision. And that sort of ties back into what we were just talking about. You know, That first feeling is not necessarily the right one. You need to examine that. You need to think about what else might be playing a role in making that decision or what that first feeling was and go from there.
0: Make the decision that way. And I thought that that was a, it actually is a great example of the modeling. Like you're mm-hmm. we talking about when um, it, it's similar to the way that Betsy got there herself um, about being humiliated. Likewise, Claudia was able to recognize when, when Christie told her that, you know, they humiliated Betsy again, cheeringly said <laughs> we humiliated her to the point that we crushed her and she'll never do it again. Just to be clear <laughs> on what they're celebrating. Um, it, Claudia's response is, oh, I think that's right. what I'm reacting to too. Um, and I thought this was a another uh, – I think this is what I was getting at when I was talking about subtle. It was a subtle way of talking about PTSD essentially, mm-hmm. about showing that um, sometimes it's not the physical injuries that are the hardest to heal from. It's the, the feelings that that engenders, the – the emotion it brings up. The fear that comes in that in that place. Um, and I think that. Um, I think it's really cool. That they touched on the idea of control. Mm-hmm. Uh, of Claudia. Being scared of things that were outside of her control. And having her get to talk to Mimi. About really putting those words in Mimi's mouth. That mm-hmm. what you're really afraid of. Are the things you can't control. And you can't control everything. So your choices are live in fear. Or accept that. Not everything's going to be perfect all the time. Exactly. Sometimes things are going to have bad outcomes. And obviously that is very, very oversimplification. I'm not getting into a PTSD discussion here because to be very honest, I have very little experience of that. I am in no way qualified to talk about it. Um, but it was what I thought of when mm-hmm. some of the things that she was describing felt to me like the signifiers of PTSD that I know from other media. Mm-hmm. Um so I thought that was a fascinating little wrinkle to it. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yes,
1: definitely. So any random thoughts that you wanted to touch on?
0: Um, I had a couple things. things. Um, do you want the serious one or the funny one first?
1: Um, first? Let's go serious and then we'll, so we can like transition, transition out to the funny. like the funny stuff to end, to end it on a high note.
0: I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> glad, glad I went with my instincts. Um, okay, so... One of the things that um I noticed and so obviously we've been having discussion about race within these books, um, but clearly the events of the last couple of weeks have really forced us to um dig deeper. Um I, I, I can't obviously speak for you, Kate, but I know that we have had private conversations about not private, that sounds like <laughs> <laughs> we're like in a secret bunker, just you know personal I mean, conversations not recorded. Offline. <laughs> personal conversations, <laughs> offline. Um you know, about, uh, about everything. And, and one of the things that I have have been working on for myself is in what ways, um, is my allyship, um, has it been performative In what ways is it, it, you know, is it falling short? Is it not enough? Um, and in what ways am I still blind to microaggressions and, um, the systematic racism that we are encountering all the time that I'm still benefiting from? Um, and you know, really doing that hard work. Um, and it really jumped out to me because I've been thinking about that because I've been reading about that. I was thinking so much about the difference between how they handle Claudia's race and how they handle Jesse's. And I know we've touched on this before and this is not a racism book, so I don't want to like really dig into it. That's why I left it for the stray observations, but I do want to note it as we go forward. Um, I thought it was really fascinating in this book. Claudia mentions, yes, we are Japanese American. That's her very first descriptor. It mm-hmm. always is. Um, and then she notes that Jesse's family is black and some of Sunny da- or, sorry, Sunnydale, um, that Stony Brook. And then she notes, well, not all of Stony Brook, um, were not happy about them or, or didn't greet, treat them very well mm-hmm. when they first got there with absolutely zero acknowledgement that, um, she is also of a different race outside of the, what I'm guessing is very, very white Sunnydale. Mm-hmm. Again, <laughs> Stony Brook. Um, so I just, I, I wanted to call that out that, again, we've noted that before,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that um, the Asi- her Asian heritage is not handled even remotely the same way as Jesse's blackness. Um, and it's definitely something I've noted in um, a lot of the reading that I've been doing mm-hmm. about the degrees of, of racism against various POC groups um, and the difference between, you know, being black and indigenous and being a POC. And, and again, those are all things that I'd been aware of, but hadn't really internalized mm-hmm. um, and hadn't really popped out. So I just sort of wanted to um, point that out, draw a little tension and um, have it be another one of those things that we are keeping our eye on to discuss as at a more, um, when there's more to say about it, mm-hmm. when there's more to, to get into, because like I said, for this time, it was just that one offhand mention, but wanted to put it out there.
1: Yep, definitely agree. I noted that as well. I do think it's going to be interesting, um, sort of, and I know, like you said, we've we've sort of noted it before, and we've been sort of touching on it as we notice it again, but I think um, with everything that has been going on and the the you know personal work that you and I have both been doing, I think it's, definitely going to be something that we pay more attention to going forward. And I'm sort of interested to see when this comes up. I know one of our listeners has said that there is a book that focuses on um, racism against Claudia's family at some point in the series. Um, I'm not, I'm hopeful that that's not sort of the the one standalone and that we never really get any other sort of acknowledgement. But I think it will be definitely interesting um, reading these going forward with the sort of new perspectives and new information and learning that we've both been, um, sort of doing ourselves to try and do what we can to make a little bit make of sense, sense of the in world. the crazy world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, that there's really, we're, we're doing what we can. And I think it'll be, I think it'll help our conversations and hopefully the conversations that we have with our listeners, um, going forward, you know, that knowing that we're, doing this work I think is going to help us start to recognize ha- right start to recognize yeah. things more and just sort of have a broader um and deeper understanding of the things that we're examining when we're talking about these books so I I'm glad that you noted that and that I could just add to it instead of having to try and be as articulate as you <laughs> were <laughs> with your initial points so definitely agree
0: before we move on completely I do want to um sort of make an outward pledge as part of this. Um, One of the things that I have um, sort of been owning for myself is how often I do keep my mouth shut out of fear of saying the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. I want to wait and hear what other people have to say so that I can make sure that I'm I'm right before I jump in. Um, And I I think that there is a time and place for that. And I want to commit to speaking out and being okay with being wrong and being told that I'm wrong and And doing the work to get it right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think that there have definitely been times in the past with some of these books, um, and some of the topics where I have sort of backed off uh, from a point or not really wanted to get into it or, um, just sort of, you know, touched on it on a surface level, but not really wanted to probe, um, because I wasn't sure how to talk about it. So, um, like I said, this is not the, obviously we're running long, um, This is not the time to get into all of that, but, um, I do want to, I want to be a little bit more, um, courageous, I guess, is the, is the best thing that I can say about the topics that we are willing to tackle. Mm -hmm. So, and I know that you, you feel the same, same way. Definitely. Okay. So moving right along, (laughs) let's, 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 uh, move away from the heavy for a moment. Um, did you have any fun fashion moments for us? Um, so I have
1: two fashion moments. The first is that Christy is described the exact same way she's always described. Blue mm-hmm. jeans, running shoes, a turtleneck, and a sweater. Like, it's getting a little bit boring, but that's just why we know and love Christy. That's who she is. So it's okay. <laughs> but I I just, like, every time they describe Christy's outfits, I'm like, Ugh, the same four words, great. I know. <laughs> um, the other thing is, uh, I sort of mentioned this with the uh, apple juice on her shirt, but so Claudia, the first time she goes to babysit um, Betsy, is wearing um, a shirt that is described as like, like this. I'd taken a shirt of my dad's, painted it, and sewn sequins all over it. It had taken ages to do, and the shirt was very special to me. Also, it had to be dry cleaned. That, obviously that description is not very detailed, but that description has stuck with me from when I was a child particularly the it had to be dry cleaned like me like I just I like I have visions of what this shirt looks like and I there it's like the same I still have it in my head from when I was a child and like and then also the fact that it has to be dry cleaned because that just seemed so like important When Mm -hmm. I was a kid, it was like, this is the most fancy shirt you can imagine. And Claudia made it herself. And this is crazy.
0: So pop culture led me to believe that dry cleaning was a far more prevalent thing in my life (laughs) than it really is. Um, I think I own maybe two by design. I think I own two things that are dry clean only. And I just never wear them because I can't be bothered to, to dry clean only. I think it might be different for people who have to wear like actual suits to work every day um as a
1: person who does have to wear at least semi-professional attire yes (laughs) a lot more dry cleaning yeah although i don't have nearly as much as jeff who does have to wear a suit every day i don't at least i I I don't have to wear a suit yeah our laundry has gone up exponentially during quarantine because jeff is wearing real clothes every day instead of suits which is a lot of laundry like yes we both fold it but like it just sort of sits there because i'm like there's so much laundry and i don't even want to fold any of it
0: i feel like i have done nothing but laundry and dishes during quarantine and thrown away trash stop
1: yes it's like i i do my best to like limit the amount of trash that
0: i have because
1: i'm conscious of that but like
0: there's just so so (laughs) much what is happening how i live alone i eat three meals a day why am i doing the dishes every single afternoon like i don't understand um anyway that was a wow tangent yeah um <laughs> i'm sure
1: everyone <laughs> listening totally feels the same though because we're all
0: in this together true. um but laundry is the one i take particular offense to i just i hate laundry i don't mind most chores but laundry of any kind there's I'm not so a fan. many steps to laundry i think that's the problem and even and even dry cleaning, then it's expensive and you have to take it and pick it up. I just, no part of it yeah, do I like. It's going to be a no. Yeah. Um, related but to I do, the... Oh, did you oh have another? I was just going to say... <laughs> I, I was just going to say... I, <laughs> this is why we need to be in the same room. I was just going to say I really um, vividly remember this one as well because of the dad's shirt thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Claudia repurposes her dad's shirt a couple of times um, because I went through a phase where I was obsessed. I have, I think I have a picture somewhere still of me in one of my dad's shirts um, as like eight or nine year old. And it's very funny.
1: I have a picture of me in one of my dad's shirts and he's like teaching me how to tie a tie. And I have vivid memories of this happening because I was like, I want to learn how to tie a tie. I don't need to know how to tie a tie, but like there's, there's pictures. My mom was like, Oh, this is so cute. And like, but yeah, I'm like wearing one of his huge oversized for me button downs and tying this like crazy pattern tie that my dad never actually wore because
0: he was not a crazy pattern tie kind of guy oh mine was i was had, mine had a um still has a rush limbaugh tie huh. um but it's and it's very loud and very 90s i don't think he's worn that tie in a million years that's not fair sorry dad. i don't mean to throw <laughs> you under the bus um but i Definitely remember having him teach me how to tie a tie. And I th- I want to say it is because of these books. I'm pretty sure in one of them, mm-hmm. she borrows her dad's oversized shirt and wears it with a tie. And I remember thinking, how cool. Um, and I instead just looked ridiculous. I but, um, totally understand that. And also to branch
1: off of the type of tie, my dad's tie was a Jerry Garcia tie.
0: <laughs> yes. My dad had a couple of the Jerry <laughs> yeah. Garcia ties. That was a thing. God, I forgot about that. Yeah.
1: I, they're probably still around. But related to the shirt is the snack that she and Betsy are eating when she spills yeah. all the apple juice on her shirt. Yeah. Oatmeal cookie, oatmeal raisin cookies, and apple juice. Like, that is a nightmare combination. Like, no, thank you.
0: That is so horrible on so many levels. That's like orange juice and brushing your teeth yes what no like terrible combination why would you do this to us (laughs) any other thoughts um i did want to just shout out so i know why um i don't know where baseball came from but i do know where the alan gray came from um so we haven't really talked about it but we briefly mentioned prank calls there's a runner in this one um of first of all the pike kids trying to do prank calls and failing miserably which was adorable um like they just couldn't get the jokes right but it, it, it throughout it, there are, there's somebody prank calling the babysitters. Um, and it's, it turns out to be Sam, but I had conflated that when, um, in Claudia and the Phantom phone calls, when Alan was one of the boys calling Christy. Ah, uh, okay. Um, so I had conflated, um, the two. I remembered the prank calls. That's what I was really remembering. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I, I said it was Alan Gray and it was, it was not, mm-hmm. it was just Sam, um, on that note, I
1: do remember having to ask my mom what Prince Albert in a can was. Me too. I was, I was just like, going to say that. What is that joke? I don't like. I don't understand. Don't get it. Like, maybe you should go catch him. Like, why would I have a person in a can?
0: <laughs> uh, exactly. So I remember asking that same question. I was like, I don't get it. Um, so imagine, I wonder what the, they have not changed that joke. It is still in my version. So I wonder in the graphic novels if that's oh, still. Oh, yeah. thing um so anyway for the
1: listeners prince albert in a can was chewing tobacco in a can so if you had it you should let him out
0: i don't know why i thought prince albert in a can was tuna and now prince albert just always makes me think of something dirty and so i don't
1: (laughs) hopefully um, the children reading this don't have the same thought
0: agreed which is why again um if you don't know don't google it um but those were that was my big. I was like, OK, at least I, I felt vindicated in that. At least I understood why I got there. Um, baseball, I have no idea. Um, I have two other
1: thoughts. OK, great. OK, so the first one is when Claudia is getting her cast off, both her mom and the male nurse that she asked about getting her cast off make the same joke about the saw and how they haven't lost any limbs yet. So, Claudia responds to her mom, You told me a grown up thing, I replied. It's like adults have a stock of jokes and sayings and they pull one of them out whenever they're trying to cover up for something. They all know which ones to say when. It must be something you learn when you're about 21. And I was like, I love that because I totally had that feeling when I was a kid. Like, how do
0: all these people have the same corny jokes? I 100% had a whole, I like had to stop reading when I got to that part because I was laughing so hard and had that same moment. I was like, well, first of all, the layers. I was like, Oh my gosh, there is a stock, like, mm-hmm. pat cliche thing. Um, in fact, I was just talking about this um, in when talking about the weather in Vegas. When I was living in Vegas, the the pat line was always, "But it's a dry heat," right? Whereas back here in Ohio, it's it's not the heat; it's the humidity. <laughs> <laughs> and like everybody, said everybody has the it. exact same, yeah everybody says the exact same things and it had been so funny because i hadn't heard it's not the heat it's the humidity i used to tell people in vegas oh that's what we say back east <laughs> and then um i was on a um, zoom call with some friends and um Frumansky actually was like yeah but it's not the heat it's the humidity <laughs> and i was like thank you see everybody my point. knows it um Everybody knows it. So those are the pat things. So I was like, oh my God, Claudia is so right. Yeah. Um, and that was already laughing. And then when she got to, when you turned 21 and <laughs> yeah. I was like, yes, um, Nope. you need to be a little bit older, older to be that corny. Exactly. Um, and number two, the idea of 21 being, um, that's what she, on par of like the adult version yep. of things. Once you're 21, nope. then you'll find out all the <laughs> jokes for adults. Nope. 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 Oh my God. That, that did make me laugh a lot. No. I'm glad you pointed that out. I would forgotten about that Oh, yeah.
1: One. I was like, that's hilarious. Um, and then my last just sort of random one-off thought, and I don't think there's really an answer to this, but, like, when do they all write in and read the club notebook? Because it's always in Claudia's bedroom. And, like, Christy's always like, did everyone read this week? And it's like, yes, we did. When? Like, do they stay late? Do they come early? Most of the time we see that they come early, but they don't actually read. So I just wanted to note that because – I want to know, but I don't think there's an answer.
0: I have had that thought before. I wrote it down as part of like the timeline question mark. Like, uh, how does this book work? Um, Because it seems to function like some kind of a shared um, electronic cloud based thing where like you could just put it in and then anybody can read at any time. But we know that that's not how that functions in the world. It's just, it's an actual
1: notebook that they hand write in. So yeah, it's like, and there's only one
0: copy. And then like, so it's like how, and then what did, what do they do with them? Like, do they keep them? Do they check them? Does they right? How many notebooks have they gone thing? through at this point? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, another thing we will keep our eye on how many notebooks we're going to lose our minds by the end of this. There's so many things <laughs> to keep track of. We'll do it though. We'll, we'll do our best. I, have faith. I, can't,
1: I can't promise we'll remember everything we say we're going to keep track of, but we will do our best to keep track of all those things.
0: So I have a feeling we'll keep track of the racism more than the, Yes. Yes. Um,
1: yeah, I was talking more about, like,
0: these sort <laughs> yeah, of, like,
1: Dorian Wallingford notebooks, like, that kind of thing.
0: <laughs> um, with that in mind, though, my final little stray thought was, um, i love to see Ashley Wyeth pop back mm-hmm. up as sort of, you know... Um, the Claudia, devil on Cla-
1: Claudia's shoulder telling her to quit.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, but I love that they... Uh, it, their relationship is so matter of fact, the way we ended it with them where they're like, yeah, sometimes we're friends. Sometimes we're not. I listen to her, but I take it with a grain of salt. Like, and like at the end, Ashley was clearly not pissed. She was like, yep, I knew this was coming. Like, whatever. You're an idiot. Um, You do you, Claudia. I "I love that that is um, a relationship that is kept on. And like, that is fun for me when seeing the Dorian Mm -hmm. Wallingford pop up again. And like those reoccurring characters. Agreed. um, and it's funny to realize how many more there were than I really realized. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of those recurring characters
1: that didn't necessarily have the same resonance when we were kids that they stuck with us. Right. So predictions for Christy and the walking disaster.
0: Speaking of beloved, uh, side characters who I do remember very vividly, um, uh, the only thing I really remember about this next book is that it is about Jackie Radarski. Um, I don't remember what happens to him, but I remember it really gets into the fact that he's constantly causing problems and breaking things, and Crispy Cri- Crispy, <laughs> Christy is exasperated by it, and for some reason she's babysitting for them a lot. Um, but that's all I got. So, person who actually remembers the books, what happened? Um,
1: so this one, I don't have quite the same level of memory as I had for Claudia and the bad joke. But, um, Obviously yes, Jackie Radowski is the walking disaster, so he is sort of the main focus of this book with Christy. Um I think that this is the book where Christie's Crushers, which is her softball team with all of the kids in the neighborhood, gets started. Cuz I feel like there's some sort of issue where Jackie wants to play baseball but or softball or something and like they won't uh, they they effectively won't let him yes. on the team because he's such a walking disaster. And so Christy's like, "Well, that's bullshit. I'm going to start a team where any kid can play." And so then going from here, Christy has this team where like, you know, little kids are playing. They have like all these made up rules that are not normal softball rules because they have to account for, you know, three and four year olds that are playing softball with kids that are like 12. So it, I think that's where this, I think that's where Christie's crusher starts is in this book. And I think it's because Jackie was ate. not allowed to play with whatever team because he can't follow the rules because he's a klutz. I
0: think you're right. I think, um, that's funny. I think my baseball prediction was just a book too early. Yes. Um, because this really is like this chunk of books are really the ones that I read most often as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think part of what's happening is for me, it's 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 become um, much more of a, a soup of, I guess soup is not the right word, but like a conglomeration of
1: everything everything's just sort Um, of melding together and you're like well it's a Christie book so i think this might be the baseball one
0: and that's it's funny like i mentioned this before i thought i remembered so much more but when i get into the specifics they're just not there um which is which is fascinating it's weird the things that stick and it's weird the things that don't Mm -hmm. um because i always thought i had a very good memory and this has proven me wrong (laughs) Well, as I've pointed out, we're,
1: we're quickly approaching where I stopped reading. So (laughs) eventually I'm going to be completely in the dark.
0: Well, I will be there with you. So that's when the predictions are going to get really fun for everybody.
1: We're we're just going to have to start making up the most ridiculous things we can think of for entertainment value alone. Yeah. Swinging swinging for for the the fences, fences, but you know, coming up with a bunt probably. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, Okay. So any other final club business?
0: Um, let's just remind everybody to, um, seek us out, rate, respond, tell everybody about us, spread the good word. Um, if you want to reach out to us directly, uh, we love to hear from you guys. You can reach us on Instagram or Twitter at generation BSC, um, or you can email us at Gmail at Gmail. You can email us. I mean, technically you can email us at 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 Gmail. Gmail. Um, You you do have the right to be an attorney. You do. (laughs) Correct. Um, So you can email us at generationbsc at gmail.com.
1: Okay. So with that, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned. Say
0: hello to your friends.